0: from gimlet i'm alex Bloomberg, and this is without fail the show where i interview artists athletes entrepreneurs visionaries of all kinds about their successes and their failures and what they've learned from both one storied path to success is being able to see a future that others don't see but that once it's here it feels inevitable There are a lot of success stories like that. Visionaries taking bets that in the future, for example, people will obsessively share photos online or order groceries over the internet or hail a cab from their phone. It's tempting to think that's the only path to success, but of course it's not. Today, I'm talking to a woman who took a very different path, a path that involves looking to the past, not the future, a path that involves finding once popular brands that have gone largely forgotten. But if you pick them up out of the cultural discard bin, dust them off a little bit, Give them a nice sprucing up, they can regain their former glory. And then some. My guest's name is Sharon Price John, and she's a CEO now, involved in one of the biggest brand revivals of her life. And we'll get to what brand that was later in the show. But just to set the stage, before she was a CEO, she spent her entire career preparing for this role as an executive at some of the biggest toy companies in the world. And she got really good at this type of brand revival. And just as one example, in the early 2000s, she was a VP at Hasbro, makers of the Nerf line of products. Nerf, you remember, those spongy sports products like Nerf footballs and baseballs. They'd been really popular in the 70s and 80s. But by the early 2000s, Sharon noticed the Nerf line wasn't doing so well.
1: I wasn't even on the sports action business. I was on. I was running the Tiger Electronics business, and I'm raising my hand going, hey, Nerf is awesome. It's the most awesome brand in the whole wide world. You know? How big is it? And it was like $20 million. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Everybody in the whole world knows what Nerf is, how big it used to be. And they're like, $90 million. I'm like, can I have it? You know? Can, <laughs> right, can I? Can, just let me, please. Do,
0: get it. Out of the way, people. <laughs>
1: I, right. No, seriously, they gave me the whole division, which had Super Soaker and Nerf. And, you know, we reinvented the whole brand. And when I left the business, it was $250 million.
0: This was a trick that Sharon Price John would turn over and over in her career. A career that spanned decades and touched some of those iconic children's brands out there. Barbie, Transformers, My Little Pony, and many more. And a career which would eventually lead her to her current role as the CEO of a company in need of one of the biggest brand revivals of Sharon's career. I learned so much in my conversation with Sharon, so much about finding hidden value in things that others overlook, leading an organization in need of change, moving beyond a failure that can seem devastating. I am very excited to share our conversation with you today. And we're going to start early in Sharon's career, when she was working at Mattel. She'd risen quickly through the ranks to become a VP. And unbeknownst to her, she was about to encounter an obstacle that could derail her career just as it was taking off. That obstacle? True love.
1: Not to get too personal, but I met my husband, uh, and we got married. And we both went to Europe. And, you know, if you're traveling around to... Rome and Paris and London, you know, I, I, we have a baby nine months later.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> you were in love and in Europe and having a whirlwind you know, romance.
1: Life that happens. Awesome. Life happens. <laughs> um, and so, right after I had my my first child, Rachel, my husband had a, a pretty unique opportunity at a smaller consulting firm out of Chicago. So we moved, and I I left Mattel at that point. So
0: can, that's, can I just ask yeah. you, at at that point when you so. So you're a, a VP at Mattel. Mm-hmm. You you and your husband are, are like both sort of going forward in your careers. Yes. And you're in love. You have your first child. And then you moved to a city for your husband's career. Correct. This is sort of the beginning of a story that feels very familiar and that usually plays out along certain gender roles. What were you thinking at that moment?
1: I had some mixed feelings about whether I wanted to stay home my of course I'm from a generation where that's what my my mom had done um you know I'm standing on the shoulders of extraordinary women who who paved a lot of road for the my generation um but but it wasn't just a given even what is now 20 years ago that that I wouldn't have dropped out and come back later. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I've got this. It's just the way the timing happened. I can't imagine that I would have just naturally stepped away from Mattel after having my daughter, but because we had a move in there at the Mm -hmm. same time, it was like, hey, I've never really taken any time off. Mm -hmm. This would be a great time to do that. So um, I took a little bit of time and... My husband came home one day and said, "You know, you need to go back to work." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause you're driving me nuts." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, well, that's terrible. That's an awful thing to
0: say." What were you doing?
1: Well, you know, you just because he's in the management consulting, you know, you're, you you often you're leaving on a Monday and you're coming back on a Friday. He'd be on these big gigs, and when he would come back, I would have done something crazy like. Refinished the stairwell or something, or painted the dining room, or you know, built a deck. You know, <laughs> he's like, I think you need to go back to work. And
0: <laughs> you've got more energy that can than can be contained by by uh, house improvement projects.
1: Right. So I'm like, but I'm saving us so much money. No, I didn't. <laughs> he's like, um, he's like seriously. And then we had a really good heart to heart about. What do you want out of life? Together.
0: Describe that conversation. When, when did it happen?
1: Um, that was about eight or nine months in.
0: Where are you? At the kitchen table? Where? No, where, where I, you? he
1: actually happened. sat me up on the kitchen counter. And he's got it right, right in my face. And he's like, I want to be crystal clear. If you're staying home because you think that's something I think you're supposed to be doing, you are wrong. I would never expect that of me like I why why are you expecting that of you This is if you've got something twisted up in there about you know your mom or what's my you, you got to go you've got to do your thing Was was he
0: right was that was what you were thinking though or were you I thinking like oh this is something that I should do
1: You know I I I know, I know I don't think I ever intended to not ever go back to work but I don't know that I had planned out some specific date you know get to this goal and do this or do this but there was also something that happened to me that helped me move forward as well the person that lived across the street from me was a a psychologist so you'd go with that where you want to and Uh she came into my life at the right time and and um and she's like you know Sharon, you you, you sure you want to stay home? I mean, I must have been exuding this. I don't know. I don't remember feeling bad about it, but perceptive people must have been picking up on something about it. And um, and she said, she, "I said I don't know. I you know I want to do the right thing for Rach. I want to I want to make sure I'm being a good mom. I I, I don't know if I can have what the balance is going to be like. And and she said, "Hey, do you want Rachel?" to sacrifice her dreams for your granddaughter. Just sit on that for a minute. I'm like, of course not. She's like, well, don't model it. Whoa. Yeah. That was the great release for me right there. Of yeah. you have to live your life if you want you, your children to feel empowered to live their life. And that was just a huge lesson. And I will never forget it. We were sitting out on the front lawn, you know, having a picnic with her kids. And so it's not about staying home or not staying home or working moms against work. It's not any of that. It's you've got to do what makes you who you are and follow your dreams and with some balance and love and gusto and all those things, and be there for your children, and 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 I do everything I can. But what I'm doing is I'm giving my children in the way that I work the permission to do that themselves, which is what is we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, sometimes when you make the decision, like you just you just like absorb that. And I did, and I said, okay, you're right. Let's do this thing. Almost the minute I released that into the universe, not to get too weird, I got a call from an executive recruiter.
0: And with that call, Sharon got back into the corporate world, eventually landing at a company called VTech. She spent a year there working on toy and product development. But she soon decided she wanted to do something else, something on her own. And there was this toy that Sharon had loved as a child, a toy that had been popular but was now largely forgotten. And Sharon thought she could start her own company to do the same thing she'd done several times in her career already. Take this toy that was undervalued and forgotten and breathe new life into it. And so she started Checkerboard Toys to reintroduce this toy to the world. The toy was a doll called the Don Doll.
1: Don Dolls were a six-and-a-half-inch fashion doll that were launched in uh, the 1970s. Uh-huh. They're the only doll uh, that has ever outsold Barbie in unit volume in any given year. Oh, wow. And they were a huge hit in the early 70s.
0: And how do they compare to a Barbie doll? Well,
1: they're six and a half inches. And in Barbie, and I'm assuming you know how tall a Barbie is. So my apologies. They're, Barbies are 11 and a half inches tall. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's obvious. Good
1: for you, Alex, to anybody, for not knowing that. They're clearly dude, um, almost half the size of Barbie. Everybody knows that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and why did you like them so much? Why because they were what little. Was, was the... You can
1: hold them like you can. Barbies are big when you're little, uh-huh. and these could fit right in your hand. You go everywhere with your doll. Oh, uh,
0: so it was just a little bit more kid size.
1: Yeah, and I loved them so much. And it was coming up on their 30th anniversary, which anniversaries are often great ways and great excuses to ca- you know, to catalyze um, interest in you know, old toys and things like that. And so I bought the brand because it was the 30th anniversary and, you know, that was fun. Uh Bought the brand and launched the brand as an exclusive collector doll and for its 30th anniversary and then created uh, mass market options and sold them into Toys R Us and some big regional mass um, players in the retail space. And we did a test and it's all exciting. The test results are awesome. I've got Toys R Us orders a whole container load. They're coming across the ocean.
0: Right. Before you get there, just let me just set this thing. So yeah. this is like, this is checkerboard. This is your big launch. You're just going to br- bring back uh-huh. this brand that you loved as a child, and you're going to resuscitate and, and like sort of update it and bring it to a new generation of children.
1: Yeah, and I've already brought it to the collector market successfully, yeah. and I've already had a good test in the mass market.
0: Okay. And so to go big, what do you need to do?
1: Well, I put a TV commercial, I pay for a TV commercial on my credit card. <laughs>
0: How much does a TV commercial cost?
1: I'm not gonna say. <laughs> I got it on the down low, though. I, mean, I like used, I, 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 I like cashed in every favor in the commercial space possible. i like everyone I know, which is a lot of people. After you, you know, work in the advertising industry,
0: uh-huh. and
1: people just did it for almost nothing, just really nice. But it's still, you know. Almost, it's, it was almost six digits. Okay. So, not bad. But that's on my credit card.
0: Right, right, right? yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and, I'm, and, and we have to pay for the product up front, too, right? Right. Um, so, I'm floating that money. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so here we go. And I don't want to make this sound like some massive deal because there are people that were so much more devastatingly impacted by this than, than I was. But that was the year of um, of the 9-11 disaster. And so many retailers canceled every single order of every single thing um, in that September. And so my container load, um, it was the container load to nowhere.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so... There was all sorts of processing that was going on at that moment for every everybody in the in the country,
1: everybody in the world, really, and uh, yeah. So but on the on the pecking order, I'm pretty low. But <laughs> seriously,
0: but but uh, but in terms of the impact that it did have on that, what what was the immediate aftermath? Was it just like the ship was delayed a little bit, and then you brought them in, and you were able to distribute them to the, them to the stores, or, or or what happened?
1: No, um, the, that order was completely canceled. Oh. Yeah. So it's on the water and they don't want them anymore. They still yeah. came. They yeah. came. Oh, you no. Know, they showed up.
0: They showed up. and showed up in October. They showed up in, showed up in October.
1: I re- seeded them, you know, and then we put them in a warehouse that I'm now paying for. Oh. So I could then go try to sell them to somebody else for half price oh, to just wow. try to get some of the cost back and not get any of the profit just to cover it, just to cover it. Wow. And we ended up selling them at a deep discount to what was a, another bankrupt toy company called KB Toys, which was a mall-based company, uh, and, you know, paying off my credit card. And, you know, but we here's the other kicker. We had, you know, kind of uh, borrowed against our home to buy those dolls. So that was tough.
0: Wow. So, so what did that mean for, for, for checkerboard toys?
1: Bye bye, checkerboard toys. That was the end of Dawn. How'd you feel? Pretty rough. That's terrible. I got two kids now, two. <laughs> so, I had a, you know, a little boy and a little girl. And, you know, we had to make some lifestyle changes. We had to, I had to find a job.
0: At that moment, this is one of these moments where you're sort of like, okay, I'm going to do the dream. I'm going to start my own company. I've got it. I have this idea, which is a great idea, right? Like, that's one of the sad things about this story to me is that, like... Um, oh, it's
1: terrible. I can go down my checklist and go look at everything we did over and over again. You and understand, I, like, designed the fashions, designed the packaging, wrote the copy, created the advertising. I mean... And there's not a thing on that checklist that I can look at even today and say, I did something wrong, but it failed.
0: And that's the thing you never actually got to find out if you were right or not. That's right. That's the bummer. Like, you had this great idea. It sounds like a great idea. And I bet you it would have worked. And you were certain it was going to work. But now you just don't, you can't. That's the thing that kills me about this. It's like, you, we don't know. You right, never got and I had been
1: interviewed on CNFN. We had Dawn was like, fish had a little bit of a feature in Elle magazine. We were in all the <laughs> toy magazines. We, you know, the doll stuff. I mean, we had, I, if there was a Dawn book that came out. I wrote the precursor. I mean, it was like, cool. And uh, yeah. Uh
0: <laughs> oh. How long did, how long did it take you to get, recover from that? Like how long before you were actually ready to go and look for a job? Oh, I went like, boom. you
1: You know, sometimes you just, you can't think. You just have to
0: do. What Sharon ended up doing and how she became the CEO in charge of one of the biggest brand revivals of her career, an adorable, fluffy brand that many of you might be familiar with. That's after the break. Welcome back to Without Fail and my conversation with Sharon Price-John. After her company, Checkerboard Toys, went under, Sharon made some calls, got a few interviews, and essentially picked her career back up where she left off. She landed executive jobs at Hasbro, where she pulled off that Nerf revival, and Stride Right. And all along the way, she worked her magic, reviving brands, boosting sales, turning things around. And that is when she heard from her biggest turnaround opportunity yet. How How did you first hear of the opportunity?
1: It was a recruiter called me. I I picked it up. uh, I was in Los Angeles in a car, you know, being driven around. Uh Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's actually interesting. What do they say? They start with, hey, it's uh, Build-A-Bear, you know, is looking for a new CEO. The founder is ready to, to move on, to retire.
0: And just for people who may not know... Uh, what Build a Bear is? Describe briefly the, the the company. What 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 happens at a Build a Bear store?
1: Yeah, so Build a Bear is um, an experiential retailer, a specialty retailer that was uh, started in 1997 by um, an iconic figure now, Maxine Clark, and she had an idea of uh, allowing kids to sort of go through the process of creating their own teddy bear. Uh, and to the degree that you would come into a Build-A-Bear and you could choose among this wide variety of bears and bunnies and puppies, uh, and then you get to stuff that bear um, with the aid of what we call a bear builder. You put the heart uh, in a bear and you go through a heart ceremony and you put a wish in the bear. And it really is emotional for um, anyone, not just children, to go through this process. It's as if you're bringing this bear to life with certain pet personality attributes. Then you can dress it basically any way you want to. Um, you have a hug test to make sure you've stuffed it just right um, because it's gonna be your furry friend for life. Um you can also put sounds and scents in your bear, wide variety of music, or you can record what you want on onto um, a little recordable chip and put it in the bear and um, he'll play it back for you. Um, and then away you go. And um, you got a buddy
0: the most adorable retail experience ever invented.
1: I think, <laughs> um, but uh, you think about all the skill sets that are required to actually make an impact on a company like that, and they're they're kind of disparate. It's not that common that somebody would know how to import toys from China, understand the cut and stitch part of toys, which is more rare, which they've had on Barbie fashions, knows the younger kid and the older kid. And I did know I've I've had so many brands that I've had experience on both of those those ends of the spectrum and no specialty retail. That's Mm -hmm. sort of a weird batch of skill sets and then had a turnaround background on top of that.
0: So it sounded like a perfect fit is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Seem like it.
0: So, did you take it immediately? Did you think about it? What were the oh, What were the pros any, and cons in your head?
1: Anything like this is a big decision. Mm-hmm. That was going to require a physical move. I now have three children. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in New England for eleven years. Uh, um, I, you know. Been at my new company already for three years. By then, you know I'm doing well, so no reason to believe why I wouldn't be able to continue to be successful in that environment. Um, and this is risky. Mm-hmm. To, you know, you it's a this is this is a turnaround that is not uh, in the safe hands of being surrounded by a much larger organization.
0: So those are all the risks. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an easy no.
1: It's an easy no. It's an easy no. So, why
0: was it a yes?
1: (laughs) Um, We weighed it and thought about it. And we did a lot of, we're both MBAs. So, we did a lot of business assessment on, you know, is this possible? What's your runway? The couple of things that felt like that it gave me a lot of runway to get it turned around because it might not be an immediate thing mm-hmm. was no debt and really good cash flow. So when you have no debt and good cash flow, which we still do today, um, you got you can you've got some space. Uh-huh. It's not like we were just so overburdened with the debt, like a lot of companies and particularly retail companies. If you see a lot of retail companies going bankrupt today, it's mostly because they can't pay down their debt, right? Um, and uh, we, we didn't have to worry about that. And then at the end of the day, I just felt like this brand is worth so much more than its actual value. You know, I mm-hmm. have the, the distinct privilege of seeing research data on a lot of big toy brands in my history. And the numbers on Build-A-Bear are as powerful or more powerful than a lot of those when you look at these key metrics of awareness and affinity and brand love and mom trust and, uh, you know, you, those are all monetizable if you know how.
0: So you, so you were looking at this and you're like, the tools are still there. The, the brand is still there.
1: Brands unscathed, and I, have,
0: and I have enough time to turn it around. Because Correct. There's not a lot of I'm debt. not going to run no out
1: of time because I've got cash flow and right. no debt. Yeah, I've got a long runway to get it done, and that's how we decided to do it.
0: So you show up on day one. What are you? What are the first things you're looking at? What does it take to actually turn around a brand?
1: There's a difference between turning around a brand and turning around a business and turning around a company, mm-hmm. and this is all three. The brand being the least of which that needs to be turned around, right? The, and that's the hardest thing to turn around. We have a broken business. We don't have a broken brand. And, and just
0: set up how broken the business was.
1: Well, I, you know, I we were losing money, um, a forty-nine million dollar loss on a less than little less than four hundred million dollar top line the prior year, the year that I that I got there, so twenty twelve. Um and six million dollar loss at, when I came in in June of that year. And wow. the the thing about it on this particular turnaround, I think, it was somewhat unique. Was the culture of Build A Bear is very 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 strong, uh, and and it's not a bad culture. It's a really beloved culture, um, but there was something about our culture that was also keeping us from being successful. Then that had to be scalpeled out of all the good things about who we are. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what was the culture? What was if you had to sort of describe the culture at Bilderberg when you arrived? How would you how would you have described it?
1: It's a very positive, happy culture. People love what they do. They love that they work for this company that is a caring company. Our tenants are. Collaboration and giving and you know, we're and, and it it shows up in, in every day. I mean it's a it's a family. People really do care about each other. A lot of birthday celebrations, a lot of we have dogs in the office. I mean, it's there's bears everywhere, as you might imagine. Stuff stuffed animals. It's crazy. It's like, you know, it's crazy <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> I like it. I'm a kid. I I wanted to hold on to my childlike self and Yeah. And that's all good.
0: So what was the what was the part that needed to get scaffolded out?
1: We you gotta make money. We're a publicly traded company. I say that like it's easy. It's not. Right. I actually in one of the first what we call so our headquarters is called the Bear Quarters, just so when I mm-hmm. refer to that, that's what I'm talking about. We had a bear quarters meeting, um And when I first got there and I explained this situation of the difference between the brand and the business and how powerful this brand was, kind of laid out the strategy of, you know, you guys, it's been eight years of contracting sales and negative comps, that's comparative sales. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's if you stay on this trajectory, it doesn't matter if you love this culture or not. it's not going to be here. So you can either choose to change certain aspects and trust me that I'm not trying to rip out the heart of this company or we can just all write it down in the ground together. Either way, you know, you you decide because I can't do it alone. And if you don't want to try to take this company into a place where I think this brand has built the right to be. Um, you, you, all these people in this room, you have created the equity that has brought, brought Bear to this position to earn this right to be at this place. I don't know why you would now not choose to change that one portion These about the, how we're running this business to be able to do that. But if you don't want to, that's okay. Get off the train. All good. No, no, no hard feelings.
0: And this is—are you? You're literally saying this like at, at an all hands? At yeah. The, at the two hundred, the Two hundred and
1: fifty people. Yeah.
0: Wow. That must have been quite, um, quite an all staff.
1: Yeah, you know, it's the truth. I mean, honesty is it should be a more often used commodity. After that
0: initial meeting at, at, at the Bear Quarters, what was the feeling in the room? What was the
1: response? It's all over the place. Some people love it. Some people are excited. Some people are energized by change. Some people resist it to no end. The, the, the challenging part are the people in the center that, think they're ready, but they're really not. Uh, Like kind of, yeah, I know we need to do this, and but they can't do it in action. hmm. Do it in spirit, can't get it done in action, not with consistency. And you know, you're gonna hit a lot of that. You almost expect it after you've done this enough. The minute you kind of hit your first challenge, your first bumps in the road, your first white water. You know, so it's like, oh my God, everybody breathe. It's okay, because you have to remember, and this is a classic challenge with people and companies who have storied and very successful histories like Build-A-Bear did prior to 2007. Explosive growth. Couldn't keep up with the growth. Couldn't keep up with opening new locations. And when that happens, when you're growing that fast and expanding that fast, it's not possible to put in all the most efficient systems and do it the very best way every time. You're just trying to keep up with it all. That's what happens. Right When 2008 hit, just like with a lot of retailers, just everything was like hitting the wall. You know, a lot of retailers ended up just 10%, 20%, 30% of their business just fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just, and Build-A-Bear hadn't had the luxury of going through a normal cycle of, oh, we've, you know, chase the gross, chase it, chase it, chase it, chase it, chase it. And then you kind of apex for a little while and then just kind of sit there for a minute. And then you focus on the bottom line and pull out cost, pull out cost, pull out cost. And that's where you get your next big load of value after you've hit scale. right They didn't get to do that, right? right? They hit right. the wall before they had the chance to create that next big chunk of value.
0: And the wall they hit, was the was the, the biggest, you know, Terrible. sort of financial calamity since the Great Depression.
1: Heck yeah. yeah. You know, and that's another thing about turnarounds too, is be respectful of looking to what happened before. Be respectful of the people that were making the decisions at the time, because it's impossible for you to know what you would have done in those same circumstances. Right. So, but the, but it was what it was. And one of my favorite sayings about inheriting businesses or companies or whatever is just because it's not your fault doesn't mean it's not your problem. (laughs) Not my fault, but it's my problem.
0: Yeah. Boy, is that true.
1: So if you're spending a whole lot of time going around saying it's not my fault, well, grow up. Right. It's yours to fix.
0: How Sharon and the bear quarters went about fixing it and what that fix had to do with lingerie for teddy bears after the break. Welcome back to Without Fail and my conversation with Build-A-Bear CEO, Sharon Price-John, who throughout her career had specialized in taking faded or forgotten brands and reviving them. And we've gotten to the point where we answered this question. Wait, how exactly did she do that? Like, what did she actually do? Sharon and I dove deep into the process she went through at Build-A-Bear. What were the actual steps she took to get Build-A-Bear back to making money?
1: And what I say about turnarounds sometimes is, you know what? If if there was a, a silver bullet, I wouldn't be here. You have to be disciplined enough to smash down to every link on the value chain and find the penny on every link. And there's a lot of money there if you know what you're looking for. Can you give me
0: one example of like where you went to a factory or showed up at a division or something like that and was like, oh, this is a penny that we can pick up or a couple of pennies?
1: Um, The value engineering piece is something that I learned at Mattel on Barbie Fashions.
0: And what's value engineering? What does that mean?
1: Value engineering. It means that it's going through the specific details about how the product is made in a way that creates the same perceived value for a lot less money, whether that's through the Let's take the design of a -A Build-A-Bear dress. Okay. We're trying to accomplish something with this dress, right? Whether it's... I need a pink colorway. I want it to be frilly. I'm trying to it's it's got to fit into the, you know, we've got some theme going. It's a Valentine whatever it is. Whatever you're trying to accomplish here. And your goal, of course, is that with every single SKU, there's some reason for it. It has to earn its spot on the wall.
0: And with skew,
1: skew a SKU? SKU is like a stopkeeping unit. Yeah, it's a, a stop, yeah. It's retail chat for an item. Right. Gotcha. That, then that's its number.
0: So just to explain, each, t- each Build-A-Bear item, everything that can possibly be bought for a Build-A-Bear has its own skew. Correct. And that's how you guys refer to them in, in, in retail. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yes. And um, so when you're looking at that dress, you're like, all right, what am I trying to accomplish here? Do I have a price point object? Because you usually are trying to hit certain retail thresholds or bands. You know, that's when you walk into a retailer and there's... You know, this batch of stuff is 9.99, and this batch of stuff is 14.99. People are building into that, knowing what kind of margin they need to make the business make sense, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're value engineering, you are looking for how do you construct this in a way that creates efficiencies, and just understanding uh, what your cost drivers are um, uh, from how many operations, how many times does somebody have to touch a seam? How are these materials put together? How do you know? Do I? How many places do I have to add an embellishment to get the objective made? That sounds really boring. I can't believe you find that fascinating, Alex.
0: Oh, I'm t- I'm, <laughs> I'm completely fascinated by it. So you're so you're literally going into like every single Build-A-Bear yes dress and saying like, how is each one of these manufactured? How many seams are there? Do we need? this sequins over the pocket?
1: I don't have to ask the question. I just have to touch the dress. So what we did was, I'm like, bring me all next season stuff. And it was a lesson in value engineering. And we just piled them all up in the middle of a conference table.
0: So wait, 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 wait. You're in a room... With all your executive, who's, no, who's- no,
1: with the design team.
0: Uh huh, and and there's literally all the clothes are piled on a on a on a big conference table. Mm-hmm. So you're actually literally taking each each item of clothing and being like, "What's this made of?" Right, you know what I it's know made what's of made of. And you know yeah. how many, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And what I want to do, and here's the thing about being a CEO: Look, you're going to be really good at something, or you're probably yeah. not going to be a CEO. And everybody comes up, you know, one the, some some route up the ladder. You have to. I came up some mashup between marketing and product development, so I'm really good at marketing and product development. That's how I kept getting promoted. But at some point when you become a CEO, you don't even want to do what you're good at anymore. You want to teach it. My goal was to never sit in that room again, even though I love doing it. My job was to teach them how to do this.
0: Did it take just one time?
1: No. No. <laughs>
0: How long did it take?
1: Um, we got a long way in that particular meeting, but what you do is continually reinforce it. So, like, the next time you're in a, um, a line review, everything's all lined up. Uh, so it's not exactly what it sounds like. All the product, everything, maybe for a specific season. And along with that, you're going to have, like, the list of all the Skews um, and uh-huh. what the the target price point is, and what the margin is, and da 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 da. da. And you're going to see things in there that you know you're. They're usually in red that didn't hit the margin goal. Uh-huh. And you go down through there, and you're like, why doesn't this hit the margin goal, right? And you ask the team, like, well, the whole the whole average did, right? I'm like, yeah. but let's look at that skew. Is there something about that skew that keeps it from hitting the margin goal? Because there's always going to be something that doesn't sell, and you have to mark it down. So you actually need to be pretty aggressive about hitting that going-in margin goal. And um, I'm like, let me look at this. And so they're like, but it's but it's the average. the average. I mean, you didn't, you you can't do it. I get to manage the company on the averages. You can't. <laughs> Right, you you gotta. So we they brought it. They brought out this particular one, and it was a mermaid outfit for a bear. Right, so cute. I'm like, how far are you off? And this is you're down in the itty bitty details here. They're like, we're like two or three cents off. I'm like, why is there padding in the mermaid's bra? It's a bear, guys. <laughs> I'm like. Between your materials and these two operations, there's three cents. Take it out.
0: In the padding of the mermaid. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. I'm like, it's bra. a bear. It's a bear. She's a bear. <laughs> She's good. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but you, I mean, it seems funny now, but I gotta love my designers. Look how, I mean, the care and the detail mm-hmm. and the specificity and the thought. Um, and it was still beautiful. You know, like, we didn't take out anything that even the consumer could see, right? right. Just still, it all had to it. still. It's, you know, it's sparkly and beautiful and mermaidy. Um, it was the process of of being serious down to the detail
0: yeah. and
1: saying, you know, be be careful when you say there's nothing else there and you put it in front of me.
0: Um, so you got the the business sort of working, you had big conversations about the culture. Was there a moment you realized, oh, look, we're getting, we're we're turning things around.
1: Uh, Returning to profitability is a really good sign. When did that happen? That first year. I mean, that was 2013. That first year? Yeah. How'd that feel? Uh, That's great. I mean, the guy's got a bonus. It's great. It's a nice feeling. They worked really hard. They a lot of people. They got on the train with me, you know. And you you feel good about that, but you're also very beholding. It's very flattering that someone would, when you say stop doing this and start doing this, and they do it and it works. I, you know, because you can't do it by your. It's not. I'm not doing it. They're doing it. They're the ones doing it. So, you know, then, then I think, you know, we started to pick up some momentum in that, that next year, and that was good. But it's not all been just easy. It's, it's not right now. We're, we're in white water right now. You know, it's up and down all the time. It's very difficult in this environment.
0: Revenues are still down. Profits are shrinking again at Build-A-Bear. And the environment problem that Sharon referred to isn't internal to the company anymore. It's external. Retail is changing. How people shop, what they shop for. And Sharon says Build-A-Bear needs to adapt to fit into this new retail world where people no longer just show up at malls to have a retail experience. Now they want to meet the brands that they love in all different kinds of places, which has brought Sharon Price-John into my line of work.
1: We just launched Build-A-Bear Radio last October. So I'm, I'm in your business. Yeah, it's awesome. What What happens on Build-A-Bear Radio? It's stuffed with fun. That's what we get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Bear Quarters.
1: Yeah, where the fun's always on.
0: This wraps up my conversation with Sharon Price John, recorded live at the Pod Quarters, which is also stuffed with fun and also meaningful, thought-provoking content. Without Fail is hosted by me and produced by Molly Messick and Sarah Platt. It's edited by me and Devin Taylor. Peter Leonard mixed the episode, music by Bobby Lord. If you like Without Fail, leave us a review, tell your friends about it, and thanks for listening.